Thank you, choir. Psalm 63 this morning, your Bibles, please. While you're finding that, listen to this story, the Associated Press released on the 6th of this month. An Albuquerque woman has placed her soul for sale on eBay, requesting a starting bid of $2,000. So far, there are no bids. A local TV station identified the woman as Lori N. She indicated she put her soul up for sale after a series of unfortunate incidents, including a car accident, which left her in a coma for three weeks and resulted in a stroke, a broken hip, broken pelvis and other injuries. Well, I couldn't help. I went to eBay and I started searching for this lady's soul, not to buy it, obviously, but just to see if it was on there. And I could not find her, but I did find a 28 year old man who was selling 25 percent of his soul. And he was selling 25 percent of his soul for only twenty five hundred dollars. And I couldn't help but chuckle because it said on there, no returns or exchanges accepted. (laughs) Now, obviously, both these individuals are struggling with some hard times in their life. And in desperation, they're obviously seeking for some relief, trying anything, even to the point of selling their souls. Now, we may laugh about these people and even call them kooky, and perhaps they are kooky, I don't know. But in all seriousness, what do you do when hard times come your way? You know, hard times come to all of us, don't they? Now, listen. We all face those desert experiences. We all face those times out in the wilderness. And if you haven't, just hold on. You will. You will face them. Now, David knew what it was to be out in the wilderness and have those desert times in his own life. In fact, as he was going through one of them, he also mentioned his soul. We find it here in Psalm 63. If you look at the inscription above it, you may notice in your Bible, it'll say something like this. A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. So this is a Psalm he wrote while he was out in the wilderness. Now, some Bible scholars believe that he wrote this while he was fleeing from King Saul. You know, King Saul came to the point where he wanted David dead. Uh, listen to 1 Samuel twenty three fourteen, And David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. Can you imagine that every day you're looking around, you're hiding, you're wondering, is he going to catch me today? And so Saul was after King David. And some say, well, that's the story here. That's when David wrote this. And some say, no. That's not the story behind this. This was actually when David was running from his son Absalom. Very sad story. You go to 2 Samuel 15, 14, you read these words. 2 Samuel 15, 14. So David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And so some say, well, this psalm was written while he's running and fleeing from his very own son, Absalom. A very sad story indeed. Now, in all honesty, both events were very sad, very difficult, very painful in the life of David. And we don't know exactly which one it was. We can't be 100 percent certain. But we do know that David was in difficulty. 
Whether he was running from King Saul or he was running from his son Absalom, he was in difficulty. And we find here in Psalm 63 how David responded in those days of difficulty. And there are lessons for you and me here today as well. So let's go and read it, and then we'll see what God has for us here in Psalm 63. Hopefully you found it, Psalm 63. I'll begin reading at verse number 1. O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. Now, there are some wonderful lessons for us as we face these wilderness times in our own life. When the days are dark, when the storms are raging, when it seems that everything is against us, there is hope. Would you notice, first of all, we can learn this in those dark days. We can seek the Lord. We can seek the Lord. I love the way David starts this passage, Psalm 63. He says, oh, God, you are my God. Now, can you honestly say that today, beloved? Do you know God? Is he your God? Do you know him? Have you received his forgiveness of sin through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. You see that no God, you have to come to an end of yourself and come to Jesus. Repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus alone. And if you don't know him today, you can know him. Turn from your sin to Christ. Cry out to him and he will save you. That's my prayer for anyone here who does not know the Lord. That you can leave this service saying honestly, oh God, you are my God. Now, for those of us who already know God, those of us who repented of our sin and placed our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to look at what David says here. Oh God, you are my God. Now, we have the same God that David did. And if we have the same God that David did, we can say the same thing David did. You see, in a dark day, in a terrible storm, when you're out in the wilderness, when you're running for your life, what encouragement, what strength, what help it is to be able to say honestly, Oh God, you are my God. In fact, would you do something today? If you know the Lord, if Jesus is your Savior and you know God, would you say those words with me? Oh God, you are my God. Let's say them together. Oh God, you are my God. Now think about that for a moment. Oh, God, you are my God. While we may be driven from the face of man, laboring under difficulty, not knowing where we're going or or what we're going to do in the dark, 
in the storm, in the test, in the ICU, in the trial, in the hospital room, in the death chamber, at the accident scene. We can say when all hell breaks loose around us, we can say nothing can change the fact that, oh, God, you are my God. And that's an encouragement, beloved. I don't know what storms you're facing. I don't know what you're going to face. But I know this. God will be with you in those storms. In those wilderness days, we can seek Him. And that's what David did. Notice what it says. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. I will seek you. Now, early is the best time to seek God. Did you know that? That's the best time. Not when I've tried everything else. Not when I've looked here and looked there and tried to figure everything out and eventually turned to God in desperation. No, early will I seek you. Matthew 6, says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We should seek him early in life. Early in life. Now, if you don't know him and you're late in life, it doesn't matter. You can come to him today. But let me say to all those who are young in life, don't wait to seek the Lord. Don't wait to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your whole life in front of you, use it and, and, and bring honor and glory in with your life. I'm thankful that as a very young boy, I trusted Jesus and gave my life to him. And though my life was not perfect and though I, I, I stumbled and fell, I'm thankful that I've used the majority of my life to serve him. Early will I seek you. But no matter what age or stage you're in today, seek him. But the best time is early in life. And also, did you know also early each day is the best time to seek God? At least I think so. You know why? I personally found, and maybe you have as well, if I don't get my time in with the Lord first thing, if I don't get some time in prayer and in the Word first thing in the morning, have you had this experience too? That time just kind of slips away. And it's hard to come back to it. Why? Because we get busy and and you guys start calling me on the phone and, and I'm out visiting. I mean, all these things happen and, and I'm preparing messages and that, you know, all these things and wonderful things. But listen, that just has a way. Of, if I don't pray and get that in first thing, this has a way of slipping away. And that's not to say you can't have your devotional time whenever God leads you or whatever time of day. But I've just found early seems to work the best before things get going to give your day to the Lord. As David looks around at this dry terrain that he's in. He's reminded that his true thirst is for God. Notice what it says in uh, verse one. Oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. If you like to write in your Bible, make a note. You might want to put this reference beside that. Psalm 42, one and two. Psalm 42, one and two says this. As the deer pants for the water brooks. So pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? You see, he is thirsty for God. He's thirsty for God. He's seen God's power and glory before. He says that in verse 2. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. He knows that God's loving kindness is better than life. He says that in verse number 3. Now, if some of us are honest today, we would have to say, you know what? When I see David talking about thirsting for God and longing for God, that seems kind of foreign to me. 
I don't quite know what he's talking about there. I, I don't quite catch that. I, I, I haven't experienced that perhaps or realized that I haven't. And if that's the case, why? Why is it today that maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I, I'm not thirsty for God. I'm not longing for God. I think because, as Howard, Hen- Howard Hendricks once said, much of our religious activity today, much of our religious activity today is nothing more than a cheap anesthetic to deaden the pain of an empty life. Though he may be our God, and I pray he is. Maybe you say, I'm not hungering and thirsting after him. Well, see, beloved, you have not taken the time to get to know God intimately. We live... What Chuck Swindoll once called the rat race religion. Uh, We can just go through the motions. And so we have God in our lives and and we say, yes, I know Jesus and we, we know we'll go to heaven when we die. But we just go through the motions and we go to church on Sundays and and we go to Sunday school. If we're real spiritual, we'll come back on Wednesday nights, a few of you. and, and, And here we are and we just go through the motions And our Christianity becomes more about doing than it is about being. Uh, We're busy Martha's instead of worshiping Mary's. We're we're working and and working has its place. And we encourage you to serve and we desire for you to serve as the Lord does. No doubt. But what about the worship? What about spending that time at Jesus' feet? We, we, We settle for such cheap substitutes today and. And we wonder, why don't we hunger and thirst? Why don't we cry out and pan after God as the deer does the water brooks? Because we don't know God as we ought to know God. We've not spent time with God as we should. We've not been in his word and that is in prayer and at his feet and and communing with him. You see, we find in these dark days that David was in, he sought the Lord. And it reminds us that we, too, can seek the Lord. And as we seek the Lord, we'll find next that we can be satisfied in the Lord. Because that's what David finds here in Psalm 63. We can be satisfied in the Lord. In fact, look at verse 5. My soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Now, now the idea here is a royal feast with all the fat. Don't you love a feast with the fat? Don't you love that? I mean, that's the idea here. I'm satisfied with the Lord as I would be a royal. He just says, I'm hungry for God. I'm thirsty for God. My my flesh longs for God. He says, I'll be satisfied as if I'm at a royal feast with all the fat and all the sweet. You see, David is satisfied in his God. And as you read here, these next several verses, the focus is upon God. Notice it with me. Verse three, my lips shall praise you. Notice verse 4, I will bless you. Notice verse 4 again, I will lift my hands in your name. Notice again verse 5, my mouth shall praise you. Notice verse 6, when I remember you. Verse 6 again, I meditate on you. Verse 7, you have been my help. Verse 7 again, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. Over and over again, he says, oh God, it's about you, 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 you. David's focus and David's satisfaction is upon God. 
And our focus and our satisfaction is found in God as well. You see, in the midst of the storms, in the midst of these wilderness experiences, we need to look above the circumstances, look above what's going on in our lives and around us, look above the hardships and look to our God to ponder and meditate upon him to realize and see that he is sufficient to realize that he does indeed satisfy. You know, David knew he had been helped in the past. He says in verse seven, because you've been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. He says, God, you've helped me in the past. And so I'm confident you'll help me again. By the way, has God ever failed you? You know, we often forget that God has been so faithful to us and God has sustained us and God has led us and God has guided and provided and helped us. And yet we get to a point in our lives to say everything's crumbling down around God. Where are you? And we fail to remember, God, you've been my help in the past. And I know I'm going to rest in the shadow of your wings. You know, in all honesty, we ought to be grateful for the storms and the dark times in our life. Now, that sounds crazy. And none of us willingly, I don't know many people at least, that say, you know, I really hope my life just messes up today. I mean, I really hope hope I leave here and I have an accident and and I hope that I I am at the hospital. And I I hope, man, I hope that uh, that that check bounces. And I, I I just want my life to crumble around me. I just can't wait. You ever met anybody like that? Not in the right mind, right? If they say that kind of stuff. We, we want easy. We want smooth. We want things to go well. We want, we want smooth sailing and, and a wonderful journey. But we ought to be grateful for those difficulties that come. In. And I'm hesitant even saying this. Because I know sometimes God will take you at your word, won't he? And, but here's the thing, beloved. In these difficulties, in these trials... They bring us to a point where we must cry out to God. We must lean on the Lord. And the amazing thing is, beloved, that when everything else is gone and everything else is crumbling, we find that God is enough. He is sufficient. He truly satisfies In those dry times of our lives, in those dark days of our lives, when we seek the Lord, we can be satisfied in the Lord. And also we can be secure in the Lord. That's what David found. And we find it as well today. We can be secure in the Lord. Look at verses eight through 11. Look at a moment. But let's talk about security for a moment. Security. That's what people want, right? Security. We want physical security. We want financial security. We want emotional security and on and on. We want security in our life. But security is so fleeting, isn't it? You see, the stock market, it can collapse. Our health can fail. Our minds can go. And the security that we want with such desperation, we find that it's fleeting. So really, is there any hope for security? Well, beloved, hear me, please. True security is only found in Jesus Christ. True security is only found in Jesus Christ. David was facing a literal threat on his life. People wanted him dead. But notice what he says. Look at verse 8. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. 
But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for the jackals, or maybe yours has the foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. See, David says, listen, I don't have to fear because I'm upheld by God's right hand. And as a child of God today, I can't help but think of what Jesus said In the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter. In John chapter 10, beginning at verse 27, here's what Jesus says. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I found it interesting. Look at verse 8 of Psalm 63. My soul follows close behind you. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And then notice Psalm 63, 8 again. Your right hand upholds me. Now listen to John 10, 28. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Now listen. No matter how dark the day may be. No matter how strong the storm may be. We're in the father's hand and we're in Jesus's hand. Did you notice that there? Listen again what he says in John chapter 10, verse uh, 28. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. We're in Jesus's hand today. But then it doesn't stop there. Look at verse 29 again. Listen, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. So I'm in Jesus's hand today. I'm in God's hand today. And no one is able to snatch me out of his hand. Praise the Lord. And David says, listen, your right hand upholds me. And so no matter how dark the day, no matter how strong the storm, we know that we're in God's hand. There's security in God's hand. We often like to ask each other how we're doing. You ever notice that? You probably asked somebody already today. You've been asked, how you doing? And what, let's be honest about it today. What do you normally say when somebody asks you how you're doing? Fine. We don't really want to know how you're doing, do we? In fact, if we say, how are you doing, and you actually tell us, we make a note not to ask you how you're doing anymore. I was reading this past week in Will Davis's junior book, Junior's book, Enough, Finding More by Living with Less. He wrote this. One of my closest friends is a Christian counselor who likes to make fun of this one particular trite response to how are you, the how are you question. When people respond with fine, and I say the same thing, hey, I'm fine, I'm fine. He tells them what he believes the letters fine, F-I-N-E, really stand for. Are you ready? Maybe you didn't know, but here it is. Frenzied, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. <laughs> he writes that adds a whole new meaning to the word fine, doesn't it? And in reality, my friend's meaning of fine may actually be closer to the truth. While many of us look put together and successful on the outside... On the inside, we're a mess. We're fine. We're frenzied. 
We're fine. We're insecure. We're fine. We're neurotic. We're fine. We're emotional. And maybe if you were honest today, you would say, you know what? I'm fine. I am. I'm frenzied. I'm insecure. I'm neurotic. I'm emotional. If you were honest, you would say, you know what? I'm in a mess. And I am a mess. (laughs) Jennifer's fine. She's fine. My wife was fine earlier, I noticed. (laughs) Gabe is fine. Maybe you say today, you know what, preacher? I'm in a mess and I am a mess. Can I say something to you? That's okay. You know why? Because you can come to the Lord. You can seek him. And as you seek him, you'll find satisfaction and you'll find security. You'll find what you're longing for. You'll find that he is your help. You'll find that he is your sufficiency. You'll find that he is your security. And although you may not realize it today, beloved, what you're really longing for, what you're really desiring, what you're really thirsting for today is God. It's God. See, David was right when he wrote in verse three of Psalm 63 that God's loving kindness is better than life itself. Beloved, what about you today? What storms are you facing? What dark days are raging in your life? Maybe you say you're in a mess. You are a mess. God is waiting for you. You can seek him. As you seek him, you'll find satisfaction in him and you'll find security. Would you seek him today? He's better than life itself. If you don't believe me, just ask David. Father, help us to be honest with you right now. Help us to admit to you really what's going on in our lives. You already know, but we need to tell you. There are those today who say, Father, I'm in a mess. I am a mess. I'm frenzied. I'm insecure. I'm neurotic. I'm emotional. I'm struggling. I'm I'm crying out to you. Thank you, Father, that in those days you don't desert us. You don't leave us. You take us and. In your hand, you wrap us in your loving arms. You satisfy us. You give us security. You you give us sufficiency. Now, Father, I pray that if anyone here today, first of all, does not know you, I pray that right now, as we have this closing time, this hymn, that you bring them down and allow somebody to take a Bible and share the gospel with them. And I pray for others today who maybe they need to get along with you and they need to come to the altar. And they realize some great needs in their life. I pray today they'll bring those needs and they'll seek you. Oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. Our soul thirsts for you. Our flesh longs for you as we're in a dry and dusty land with no water. You are who we're thirsty for. Make us thirstier. Bring us to you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you need Jesus today as we sing our closing hymn, 185, I believe it is. We invite you to come and I'll put you with someone who will share the gospel with you and answer any questions you might have. Maybe you're here today and you already know Jesus and you say, you know what? I'm thirsty today. Would you come and just seek him? Cry out to him. You'll find satisfaction. You'll find sufficiency. You'll find security today. It's found in God and God alone. As we stand and sing 185, let's stand and sing you come. Thank you.